Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Future D. Fidel on Crosscheck. Welcome. Conversations on people's beliefs, why they believe, and how it shapes their life. This is Crosscheck. 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 With Tim Wong C. Well, there's an accent we could get used to quite a bit. It is Future D. Fidel. Uh, he was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo and currently lives in Brisbane. Future is a playwright, and his latest film is called Prize Fighter. Now, the story of this movie follows the story of a boy who now lives in Australia, and he was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and for part of his life, this boy in the film was a child soldier. And so the story of the movie follows the traumatic scenes that replay in this boy's head, the things that haunt him, the scenes that trouble him from his time when he was a child soldier. Now, that's the plot of the film, Prize Fighter, and it's a loose interpretation of the life of Future himself. Future D. Fidel, welcome to Crosscheck, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not sure if I've already made a mistake because Future is not actually your real name, is it? <laughs> well, Future is translated from my um, um, dialect to French, Futur, and then translated from French to English, Future. Can you tell me about the town you grew up in, Uvira, in eastern Congo? Well, um, when I was growing up, I think it was I was still young, and um, I can't really remember much. Because as kids, all we'll do is, you know, you wake up in the morning, either you go fishing, or um, from there you go to school. I um, In 2001, when I, when I, when I left for, for Tanzania, I was only in grade 7, I think. I was in grade 7 primary, so it's been a while. Your mum sounded like an incredibly strong woman. Uh, she ended up being a, a single mum of, of five kids, having to provide food as well. On top of all of that, <laughs> well, well, that, that's that's the role of a mother, you know. Um, a, a strong and responsible mother is the one that will look after the kids, her kids, her children, regardless, you know, whether there's war, whether there's anything, you know. She knows that there's there's nobody else she can turn to, and the only thing she can do is simply look after her kids. And that's what she wanted to do, and that's what she did, you know, looking after myself and my other siblings as well, making sure that we get enough foods, making sure that we we. We, 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 we're surviving. Now, tell me what your mum told you of how your dad died, Future. Well, um, she told me at the time when I was three years old because I, uh, by, my father passed away when I was three. And um, she said that he was poisoned and this was because he was a pastor. The people around him didn't, you know, like the idea that he was he was the pastor. Uh, so they also wanted to become pastors. They wanted to be to to be the leaders of the church. And uh, yeah, he he was poisoned for that reason. Yeah, because your mum uh, suggested it was members of the church. Yeah. Um, but the witchcraft scene mm. is also quite quite huge, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the witchcraft scene is really huge in, in the, in, in, in Congo, let's say, well, in Africa. Mm. And um, because it's a church, it doesn't mean there's no witchcraft. Because it's a community or a loving community, it doesn't mean there's no witchcraft. Wherever there's one or two, three people, there's always one person who, who will hate another person. Uh, where else will witches hide mm. other than the church? Gee, that's they scary, will hide isn't it? in there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because yeah. they will pretend to be. Yeah, I'm a pastor. I'm this. I'm the the reverend. I'm I'm, I'm the priest. But you don't know what they do at night. Now, your dad, being a, a pastor in the church, you obviously had a lot to do with church growing up. How, how did you find the experience of church when you were young? 
Well, I guess for me, it, it comes to, I think, it, it's the root of my life, let me say, uh, and not necessarily the, the, the building, the church, the building, but the foundations are the, the, the words of Jesus Christ and in which I know I'm here, I'm alive today because of, you know, the, because of that, because of how far God has brought me from and, and the, the things he's done in my life. So I think that, that, that is the importance of church and it's not, it's not something that I can turn away from. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about President Mobutu, uh, who died in late 1997. Uh, his death caused a bit of a power struggle on who would assume uh, the place of authority left by Mobutu. And this unrest, I guess, ultimately led to your trip to Tanzania the second time. What things were you seeing that made you want to leave? Well, I guess the, the main reason why I left was because there was there was a time when the um, the the Burundian army came into into the the, the the town at the time. Then I was living in Kazimia, which is far away from Uvira. And these are rebel groups, right? These yeah. people you're talking about yeah. were rebels. Rebel groups, yeah, yeah rebel not groups. not necessarily the official uh, Burundian army. They, they they have formed the rebel groups, yeah, yeah. but from from you know from that particular area. So what what they will do is they will come into a town, put everybody in the house, all the, all the people put them in the house and burn the place down. And there was like in 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 the in Kazimia there was this massive grave of you know, whenever they killed people they just dump them in there and it was really big really big so i was scared i was thinking you know uh, this this will be it and she said no no it's fine it's fine we'll pray we'll pray god god will help so we stayed in the house i had under the bed and they came they started knocking on the door he's hitting the door hard i was shaking we got out they said okay you come 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 all of you come they took her to the field soccer field Put them. They put us in 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 line. The same the same style they did to the other 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 villages that they've been through, and this is when they wanted to shoot all of us. But eventually, at somehow some point, they started arguing themselves and started arguing, and they told everyone to to go to go home. From there, I knew that's it. I wasn't going to stay there any longer. I had to find means of getting out of that place because I knew if. If they change their minds at that point, next time there won't be a second time. So I uh, jumped on the boat and, and left. And when you're hiding under this bed that you talk about, when the the rebels are knocking at your door, mm. you said you could hear, um, you know, footsteps. Mm. I've heard an interview where you said you could hear footsteps of mm. people walking through your house. Mm. Are you counting the footsteps? Are you trying to figure out how many people there are? Um, are you thinking of where you can jump out a window? What are you thinking? I think right there. You can hear the footsteps, and all you you're wishing is that they will pass the house and go to the next to go next door, and right there, it's 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 when your stomach crumbles, but you can you can't really do much. You feel like screaming, but you can't scream. You want to run, but there's no window. The only thing you can do there is simply to stay quiet and hope that they will pass. You don't really care how many they are because, you know, if they catch me, that's the end of me. And you could be potentially turned into a child soldier? Yeah, 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 yeah. Chances are you become a child soldier or you die. Most of the time, that's why a lot of people get into uh, becoming child soldiers because they don't want to die. You're forced, you're brainwashed, and boom, here's the gun, kill. And once you, you become a child soldier, killing becomes becomes your 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 daily life.
What's the appeal in being a child soldier, apart from not dying in that moment? Well, I've I, I, I had a, a few a few friends of mine that were child soldiers, and and one of the things they see is that, that it's cool. You know, you you are you are you are the cool guy. They like intimidating people. You know, I'm I'm the boss. I'm this. I'm that. Nobody else come can come above me. And that that's the spirit that they get as being a child soldier. I didn't want to be that cool. <laughs> I thought, okay, you be cool over there. I'll be. <laughs> I'll take this corner over here. What do you think stopped you in your mind? I think the idea that you know, I I, I grew up in the church and we we are taught that killing is 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 wrong. You know, um, doing things out of anybody else's wish is wrong. What would my my dad think if now he was preaching love and I'm destroying? He was preaching peace and I'm 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 I'm, I'm raping people. I'm I'm killing people. I'm doing this. It really I didn't want to turn into a monster, a monster because I didn't want to see the, the the my father's eyes, even though he's not there. You know that he's watching. You know, and this is the idea that was coming in my mind. I'm thinking now, it's not something I want to do. And what about your sister, Future? You two got separated. How did that happen? She went. She actually went. She was going to study. She was studying in Bukavu, and when war broke out, she 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 fled to Tanzania. So she's studying. Mm. You then go to Tanzania for mm. the second time in in, yeah. in in search of in search of safety, not having a gun pointed at your head, yeah, or turning into a child soldier. Pretty much, but still wasn't easy. No. When you got to was, Tanzania, it w- wasn't easy. wasn't easy. I uh, got to Tanzania, got no place to stay, no foods to eat. Um, well, the only thing you can do there is just sit by the roadside and hope that somebody will give you a feed. Somebody will give you uh, a few, a few, a few dollars, a few, a few uh, shillings. So yeah, I started begging on the streets and trying to find something to eat. Yeah. And how long did you do that for? I did that for weeks. Um, fortunately, because the um, the UN they knew that war was still happening in Congo, so they would expect a few refugees popping in and out every time, and so they will they will do paroles and look for people around and try to see if there's a, any new faces, and new people. And I think yeah, I was one of those people <laughs> just well hanging around on the streets. I'm almost not surprised their future because you were only 13. 14 years old at this time yeah, weren't you yeah, yeah. and so a 13 year old boy begging on the side of a street <laughs> I mean to the UN um, you're the you're the first person to, to get into the camp aren't you definitely yeah, yeah definitely you're like yep he's the one yeah 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 <laughs> he's one of them and what's it like in the camp once you're in there uh, how's it different I think the camp is a the differences between there and the Congo is that you're limited I mean they they give you hey uh you're one person or you two people you three people you're given three cups of beans and uh this many cups of you know maize flour and this many amount of salt and this and that they only give you the amount that they think you'll survive for for two weeks that's it but most of the time it's never the case because within one week all that food is finished. Now you have to strive, try to find something else, or you have to do something on the side to get something else to eat. So it's it's always hard, mainly hard, yeah. Did you form any relationships while you are in the refugee camp with the UN? Not really. I think 
with the, the only relationship you have with the UN is that they are the boss, they look after you, <laughs> and you are the serving people. <laughs> you can't say anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. the only thing you can say, oh, have you any anything, any process or any progress on 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 my case? Mm. They're like, no, no, just wait mm. like everybody else. Stay in the queue. And how does it work that you? Or people in the in the camp in general end up in Australia or different parts around the world where they can hopefully seek a better life. How how does that process work? Well, I think we, with a time where you are there in the refugee camp, they started opening up um, uh, resettlement agencies and they start thinking that people there's people if they were to go back they will die, you know, because of the the war and issues that they were going through. So they'll put you in the in the um, protection system where. If there's a country that comes looking for refugees, you may be on the list to go to that country. And that's that's how we, we managed to come here. And I didn't choose her like, oh, I, I want to go to Australia, me, 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 me. No. It <laughs> doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't work like that. Mm. If if the, the the U.S. was there to, to take us, we will have been in, in, the, in the States. Mm. Do you get better chances because you're young and you are an orphan? Yeah, I think maybe also that I think that depends at some point uh most of the time if you're an orphan they, they may be thinking like ah who's gonna look after them and this and that but if you have somebody like i had my sister who was looking after us so it was a bit easier uh even though our case was uh, we won't, were not able to go back but i think my sister became the pinnacle we became the reason why we came so quickly because you know she was looking after us and she was able to do things like a mother. Actually, while you were in the refugee camp with the UN, that they helped you find your sister right? mm. and helped you be reunited with her. Yeah. They have a board where any orphan that comes, they take a picture and they put it on, on that board. And once you see your family member on there, then directly you can contact the UN and say, I know this person and can you look for them? And what was it like being yeah. reunited with her? It's one of those moments where you feel like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> You can't believe it, you know. You can't really believe it. It's one of those moments where you you feel like this is it. I thought I thought I lost it all, but hey, God's work, you know. It, it's uh, yeah, incredible. You can't explain how the amount, the level of joy and excitement that you'll have when you see a lost friend or a lost family member. It's it's just uh, incredible. You know, I'm fascinated by the perception um, that people in Congo have of Australia? Well, well for me, actually, when before before coming to Australia, I thought, you know, Australia was going to be this, this big place where I'll be living in a tall building and I will never see the, the, the sand or small insects or even trees. This, this was my idea of, of Australia, you know, because I knew only in Africa you'll have trees and you have uh, all this dust flowing around. Mm-hmm. Then I got here. I'm like, oh, so this is Australia. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You were disappointed. This, this is it. This is it. It's actually quite. This the same. is it. Yeah. Then they have to make things worse. When we first came in, we went straight to to Kingston, and there most of the houses are on stilts. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what? Yeah. We're gonna be living in that house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's Queensland there for you. <laughs> that that is Queensland. For, I mean, look, if you wanted to get your taste of what Australia and. Uh, Aussies are like you come to Queensland you know? exactly and and what and what surprised me is that um you didn't know any English you had to start learning English when you arrived here uh, I'm, I'm still learning oh I think it's, I mean I think it's I think it's it's amazing how, yeah. how, how what you yeah. what you can say and do now yeah but I mean what was it what was it like first 
first learning English in a in a in a, in a country. I think I was Australia. the most quiet person in, the, in class. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've come from backgrounds where learning a new language is is a bit hard. You know, you don't want people to, if you say a wrong thing, they will start laughing at you. But I guess it, it was the way it was a way to um to get us practicing English. You know, because mm. when we go outside, yeah. then you can speak. I remember the first time we came, we went to this supermarket and we wanted to buy bread. We walked in there for a few minutes. We couldn't ask the, the person at the counter because we didn't know what to say. So we had to go and try to find bread. And yeah. we bought a cake. <laughs> <laughs> you ended up buying a cake. That's hilarious. What type of cake was it? <laughs> but it's smoking. I'm like, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe yeah. this is bread. <laughs> Got it home. We're like, it's a cake. Yeah. <laughs> Back to future in just a moment. If you're brand new to this podcast, cross-check, you'll find all of our previous episodes on our Facebook page. The link to that is in the description of this podcast. It's where you'll find our previous conversation with Karen Walsh. You know, I think over time, I just feel the institution of the Catholic Church has become more about itself than about the world we live in, valuing the people and, and how our lives inform our faith. It's not just that you have a Bible that tells you how to live. Praying to God and asking God to solve the injustices isn't going to create a just society. But, you know, having a faith to nurture you while you do your bit um, is something that a lot of people resonate with. There's Karen Walsh. She is the CEO of an organisation called Micah Projects, and that's her talking about her beliefs and her view on the Catholic Church. Now it's back to my conversation with future D. Fidel, who talks a bit about how his film Prizefighter came to be. He mentions he had the help of QTC, Queensland Theatre Company, and La Boite Theatre Company, which is based in Sydney. Now, what attracted you to be a playwright? Well, I, I guess I've, I've, I've been attracted to the idea of you know, making things or writing things. So I started a group, you know, acting group, and where I will I'll write a story, and I'll get them to uh, act the, the, within the Congolese community. That was the birth of uh, a play called "I'm Here," in which it was six young African artists coming together and telling the stories about the journey from Africa to Australia. I was part of that when he, the the play was had a season at, at QTC. Um, I met Chris Conn, who was, you know, the um, associating the artists, independent artists from uh, QTC, Laboite, and Metroids, as well as BMAC. And I, yeah, I started telling him the idea, which which then became Prizefighter. And so, which is your film, Prizefighter? Yeah, 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 which, yeah. which is the, the play Prizefighter. Mm. So yeah, he contacted mm. Laboite, and I became the artist in residence to work on this idea that I was developing. It takes a lot of uh, imaginations and mm. things, you know, you have to think about things deeply and, and see, you have to, to put your artistic heart. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. mm. You know, compared to where you grew up in future in, um, in the Congo mm. and to where you are now here in Australia, mm. how is social interaction different? I guess growing up anywhere in Africa is way different because... The interaction is physical, whereas here the interaction is is based around our mobile phones, our laptops, and so the only time we socialize with people most of the time is you talk to them online, which is way different. You know, I I didn't I wasn't used to that. 
And my place, I've lived there for over a year now. And the only person I know is uh, my neighbor on my right. But before that, I've never known my neighbors. So it's, it's hard to know who's living close to you. Whereas in Africa, well, where I used to live, you pretty much know everyone <laughs> in there because there's no, there's no reason of you staying indoor. We don't have mobile phones. We don't have TVs or things like that. So you'll go outside. Whereas here, people, people are busy. So from how you see it, Future, what are people's moral responsibility towards refugees? I think everyone has their own ways and some people don't take their time to experiment and find more information. They go straight to the point. Oh, you're all bad news. Hey, you haven't, we haven't even met. <laughs> I'm future, by the way. Hey, it doesn't matter who you are. Hey, yeah, we know yeah. you're a refugee. You're this and that. So, yeah, that's awful. Isn't I it? mean, yeah, a refugee, it's not up. For me, I would say I'm a refugee because I've fled my country. I came here. Yeah. But I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm a refugee anymore. I'm Australian. Yeah. I'm Australian. <laughs> you know? So that shouldn't really yeah. be. In the back of my mind, every time, when the yeah. back of my head, that oh, he's 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 a bloody refugee. He's yeah, this, yeah, he's yeah, that. Yeah. Who's a refugee? I mean, they've been through a lot, and the last thing you could do is start pointing finger at them and say, "Hey, hey, you go back to where you came from," and this and that. We're not from pl- planet Mars. We are from here. So, it's making them feel welcome is is more than enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for coming and having a chat. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, there's my conversation with future D. Fidel. If you really liked that chat, it is such a huge favor and such a great thing to do for your favorite podcast. If you can simply leave a review of this podcast, if you have an iPhone, you can do it in less than a minute. If you go to the podcast app on your phone, it's the purple icon with the microphone on it. Uh, search, cross-check, and then you can go to the reviews tab and put a review in there, however many stars. It's uh, pretty self-explanatory and pretty easy to do. We'd really appreciate that if you could leave a review there. And that way, you won't miss the next episode of Crosscheck coming soon. I'll talk to you then.